Sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm going to be on the show. I'm going to be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, but now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh, my God. The moral is, you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Because I'm about to put on a show. Welcome back to 2019, your first episode of Good Pop, Bad Pop for the year. You're back with TNM, your Good Poppers, Bad Poppers, where we review movies, TV, and video games, which for us, those 93 just had about every time. Um, this week, we've got reviews for a bunch of new Netflix shows. We're going to review, you, uh, what's it called? You? Me? Yeah, you. Ah, me? I didn't watch it, so it's you. Me? You are are reviewing you. Well, it's a little introspective. Yeah. It seems a bit personal. Yeah. Oh! You mean Lifetime's you. That's on Netflix. It's about Lifetime. Yes. This has been thrilling. Um, We're also going to review Sex Education, the TV show, not the school unit? I don't know. Do they teach at school anymore? I don't know. Comprehensive sexual health education in schools? Yes. In this country, yes. It's <laughs> Usually. Probably, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Now, earlier this week, I accidentally listened to one of our podcasts again. Oh, yeah. And I've noticed our intro is very fast and high energy. Mm. And I thought, oh. Real them people in, T. Real yeah, them in. Yeah. Real them in hot. But then I feel like I'm letting it down whenever I do the intros, because I come in very dry. Mm. And, um... Feels like I should be going more YouTube style, you know, like uh, yo yo yo, hello YouTube, <laughs> yo yo yo, it's M Dog and T Grids <laughs> here with a new video review. Remember to like and subscribe, comment, tell me what stop, you think. Stop. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, none of that. Yeah. So my New Year's resolution is to up my cadence for the intros. Fantastic. Well, let's. Uh, I don't know. I like having a very NPR entry and then followed by some. Mild excitement, followed by more mellowness. Um, let's just keep ourselves at a, a neutral six. A neutral six. <laughs> I'm more of a hard three. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Although, speaking of cold opens, what you all didn't hear today was our, our opening intro line, which we normally give you a new one every episode. But we just sat here for 15 minutes trying to think of an example for the uh, one that T had created. And I wish I'd recorded it because I could have made that a bonus episode and you could sit and listen to just how shit we are. Actually, this. this is where we can put the listeners to work a bit. So the I'm template good. I came up with is we're going to help you find X in a sea of Y where X is something good that is normally surrounded by something bad. Like Thank looking you for explaining that out. Yeah, like <laughs> looking for Coke in a sea of Pepsi. No, what? Why? Yeah. So anyway, this is the problem that we had, friends. So you, you guys think of a better one, and whoever gives us the best one, we'll use it to cold open the next episode. We will. You won't get a prize, except knowing that you were successful. I don't like giving homework on the podcast. I do. But I will. I will grade them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was some production insight. And how's yes. your week been? Uh, so do tweet us your ones at uh, goodpop underscore badpop on Twitter. Um, my week has been... Pretty good. I got to consume a lot of TV, and that makes me a very happy M. Mm. So the TV 
schedule is turned back on, which yes. means all our TV can return, which means we can... All our free-to-air TV shows are back on the air. So we can stop watching Seinfeld and The O.C., well, I'm a bit disappointed about that. I'm getting really excited about the OC. And speaking of the OC, um, didn't quite... Like, I've seen it now maybe two-ish times, once fully, another time a little bit. Uh, and I didn't quite really realise just how melodramatic it was until um, we had someone stay with us. And they're like, oh, what are you watching? And because, we you know, we're halfway through season one, we had to explain the plot and we're like, oh, well, this person used to go out with this person and now this person's sleeping with their daughter's boyfriend and, and we're like, hmm, this is very Days of Our Lives. Yeah. It's <laughs> but a bit with of flip a, phones. It's a bit of a dramatic show. So well done, Josh Schwartz, for covering that up to not make us realise we're watching Days of Our Lives. Yeah, love it. <laughs> love your work. All right, so what came back? Uh, the big one was Brooklyn Nine-Nine's much mm. hyped, much returned, uh, premiered their first episode. What were yes. your thoughts? I think they came back really strong. I'm very excited about it. Um, I like they went a little wacky straight off the bat. Um, that was really fun. I do hear a lot of promising things coming up for future episodes. I know they're going to be tackling a lot of social issues, which is going to be very interesting. Mm. And I think they're going to do that in a really great way while still keeping all of their comedy intact. So that's going to be really great. But I did really like... Um, the first episode back, and I would really like a pineapple slut t-shirt. <laughs> That's actually interesting, because the best episode I've seen in the last few years was they did one, and it got Emmy nominated. I don't know mm. if it won. was uh, one about Terry Jeffords, who's the African-American sergeant, and he got profiled on the street, even though he was a cop, and it was like, does he kick up a fuss about it? But he was trying to get a promotion. Mm. It was really heavy and a really good episode, while also being comedic in scope. But yeah, if they go down that road, well. that's... I mean, they already do a fair bit. They have a lot of um, the head of the Nine Nines, uh, a gay black man, mm. and they deal with those plot lines quite regularly, where he has to balance towing the company line to get the job while mm. also being a bit activisty. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, it's also great stuff. that the only the only white guys on the show are all really dumb. Yeah, <laughs> so that's always nice. Um, <laughs> so. Nah, you deserve it. Uh, so it's really, really good at tackling that stuff anyway. Uh, but all that aside, um, comedy-wise, just as quick, just as amazing. Um, yeah, really, really bold. I did learn, I can't remember if I talked about this previously, but I did recently learn how when they make Brooklyn, they um, shoot everything twice. They do it once on the script, and then once they do an improv version of it, and then whichever gets the biggest laugh from the crew is the one that they end up putting in the episode. So I love that. Yeah, it's and a really good formula to um, keep things fresh, keep things funny, and, and have some good room for innovation in the script as well. And it takes me back to why Holmes and Watson sucked so hard, because it's such an easy formula with those actors. Anyway, that's yeah. a whole episode. Um, I, like, I worry about the show getting crushed under the weight of expectation at this point. We've seen it with other shows where they've done the cross-network thing. Like, it's amazing, we must save it. And there's, a like, a pressure for it to be 100% amazing again, and that's difficult. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, I'm not too I mean, it was worried. okay, but, um, you know, I'm not not back on the 9-9 yet. I love the 9-9, so I will, but, yeah. Um, the Goldbergs returned, and they... Well, firstly, let's start with the Goldbergs. They did yes. something a bit funny this week. They um, did something really bizarre, which I've not seen... I don't think I've seen in a TV show before, but, uh, but it was very clever and weird. <laughs> So they had the theme this week was The Wedding Singer, yes. as in the movie The Wedding Singer starring Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Now, if you don't 
know what the Goldbergs is. It's a, a Jewish family in the 80s and he's sort of, you know, narrating um, his life in the 80s as a young kid and, you know, growing up antics, family feud, school, blah, blah, blah. Um, so every episode, uh, they do a lot of themed episodes. So they've had a couple of Star Wars ones. They've done a Breakfast Club and um, they always have these sorts of themes. So it was really interesting just in itself that they've pulled in another 80s themed thing, even though it was from the 90s, but they got very literal with it. Yeah, so some characters in the show were getting married and they had to book a wedding singer and they just ran the episode as a concurrent side plot, Lion King 3 style, with <laughs> the plot of the wedding singer. And they had a cameo from John Lovitz. If mm-hmm. you, He's the creepy wedding singer from The Wedding Singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's lost his mind <laughs> and I am reaping the benefits. <laughs> anyway, so... Goldberg mum, <laughs> like Beverly, Beverly tries to um, hire him and he came in and reprised his role as the other wedding singer. So the way that they've done this is they've done a literal mashup. So there's the episode of the Goldbergs with scenes from Adam Sandler's The Wedding Singer inserted into it. And that, so what they've done is they've sort of just tacked on extra bits afterwards to make it look like someone's just walked off the stage or something like that. And it was... Um, it was both jarring and excellent. <laughs> well, they superimposed the characters in actual scenes. <laughs> that was amazing. And then they did, like, side scenes where they had the plot have the characters on a plane, and they just mm-hmm. happened to be on the plane that the finale of The Wedding Singer was on. It was so weird. It was great. <laughs> Such a weird idea. Um, so th- that show's generally crushing it. It's very popular. It's on mm-hmm. ABC. Um, what is interesting, they've just launched a spin-off. They have. Now, it's and called... I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, about. it's called Schooled. And it's like the 90s to Goldberg's 80s. Yes, so they start every episode with it was 1990-something instead of 1980-something. And as we all know, I'm a very big 90s fan. <laughs> so the second that I heard mop, 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 Goldberg, mop, 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 90s, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> and they were able to do this because the sh- Goldberg's has done such a great job with its supporting cast. Like, yes. And it's usually around teachers at the school. And there's, mm. and these are all based on real-life teachers in the, you know, the creator's life. In and, Adam F. Goldberg's life, yeah. Yeah, and so they've got all the teachers are um, the characters in that 90s show. So it's set in the school again, and they're just still teaching at the school and yeah. just bring in some new characters. And onwards, spin-off that 90s show. I mean... Yeah, and I mean, spin-offs are usually terrible, but <laughs> I feel really good about this. I think it... It's going to hold its own. And we've only seen two episodes so far. Um, And similar to the Goldbergs, they're doing themed ones. So they've just done a She's All That themed episode. Yeah, She's All That episode where everyone's trying to She's All That everyone else (laughs) to hilarious conclusions. And Um, in the first episode, as a a sports fan, I loved it because Coach... Mello, the character is based on a real guy who actually coached Matt Ryan, who's a quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. currently playing. And so they did a story about, you know, his teaching moments, you know, when he was a kid. And then they bring in the real Matt Ryan at the end to do a quick interview with the real character it's based on. Like, this Goldberg guy has so much stuff going on. It's like, what, five seasons of Goldbergs? Now he has a spin-off of just people he knows in real life. Some of them turned out to be famous and just... Yeah. He has so much stuff. Stuff. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I'd love to just sit down with him and... Oh, well, I'd ask him stories, but I feel like I've seen them all. But obviously there's a lot more to be told. Uh, yeah, so if you like the Goldbergs, you will like Schooled. If you like the 90s, you will like Schooled. And uh, just watch Schooled. It is... I think it's going to have a lot of promise. I am I am in. 
Um, next, Good Place came back. That's rolling on in its particular weirdness. I don't really have I have a, a little thing to say that I thought was interesting, but if you're following The Good Place, you know you can't really talk about much of The Good Place because it changes dynamic every three episodes. Mm. So unless you're completely up to date. But there was one little fascinating tidbit that I thought was quite funny because um, back at the start they have... This is the premise. You get points for everything. Yeah. If you do good things, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you go to hell. And they've sort of come to this realization that in 2018 or 2019, life's too complicated. So it's like, back in the day, you'd buy flowers for someone. Good points. Yay. And now they've got, oh, you buy flowers for someone. It's bad for the bees. It's bad for global warming. It's bad for slave labor. You get negative points and everyone's going to hell. Mm. Which I thought was a funny you know, comment on how everything you do is being shredded on social media as a bad thing to someone. And well, I even, thought, on, even on a... Um... On a bigger stance, so every there's always a different way to look at any kind of situation. We're all viewing the world through different lenses. So, yeah, it's sort of speaking to that kind of bigger philosophical social perspective, which is very intriguing to me. Um, this is the show's strength. It sort of digs into these things mm. with a comedic premise, yes. <laughs> which makes it all quite digestible. But that's back. Um, what was the other one? Gotham. Gotham's back for its final season. And what an interesting start. As soon as I think we got like, what, a minute in, I was just like, oh, whoa, 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 what is happening here? <laughs> I, I'm ready. Yes, 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 yes. So if you're not following Gotham, which is forgivable, it's a wild show. Um, but you should be because it's excellent. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you were a Batman purist, you'd probably hate it. But if you're just happy to be strapped in for the ride, it's not about Batman at this point. Batman's in it, sort of. But um, Well, it's never about him. It's more that they sort of, they have gone off canon with some plot points. But, um, but I like that they've twisted things around to make it their own. And I really like that yeah. about Gotham. And they've realized what characters are popular and they stick around. And the yeah. characters that aren't popular... Well, I even mean, if they don't stick around, I mean, let's be real, we're, we're in a comic book universe. Does anyone really ever die? <laughs> well, I think once you're not popular and you die, you stay dead. But if you're popular, you get an extra life. Probably. Life so um, the premise of this final season is... Um, Future Jump. The plot of The Dark Knight Rises, mm. the movie, the Nolan one, where... Well, this whole season has a subtitle. No Man's Land. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Is that in... what it is? Yes. All right. So in Dark Knight Rises, Bane blew up all the bridges to Gotham. Mm. Gotham was locked in. Turmoil in Gotham. They're running with that kind of thread. You can't... Mm. Um, Gotham's surrounded like uh, by the police, or the bridges are closed, and... And you can gather all this from the trailer as yeah. well, so this isn't and, particularly spoilery. No. And anarchy continues, and mm. all the villains have their little gangs and stuff, mm. and they're all fighting over resources and bullets, and it's a whole new dynamic, which, I mean... At this point, who'd live in Gotham? <laughs> it's been a lot of this shit. That's like... <laughs> very true. That's very true. But we're ramping up again for another chaotic season of um, Gotham baddies. I think it's a it's a good way to shake it up and also finish it because, like, as much as I love Gotham, sometimes it it gets a little same samey. Like, you know, new villain takes over Gotham, gets arrested or dies. New villain comes, fills the void takes over Gotham and you know it gets a bit so now that they've done this future jump where they've shaken stuff up completely there's different alliances happening and because it's so different even just in the relationships from the previous season straight away you're going oh ooh, what's happening here why are you over there why are you over there what do you mean this is happening blah 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 so I think it's a really good way to um 
really real people back in as well. So um, even if you did sort of disappear for the middle seasons of Gotham, you could probably come back and just watch this really, given that it's a, a time jump for what what did we work out the timeline was? It was like a year. A year, year-ish, yeah. yeah. And which years works well because then you can say a season runs in relative real time. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, so Family Guy came back, not generally noteworthy, but they just did a Trump episode. Now, they joked themselves that they're probably a bit late to the party. But the big thing was, um, so there's Peter Griffin versus Donald Trump, which, you know, it's pretty funny. But, um, they're saying, you know, Peter Griffin's picking on Trump and Trump picks on him right back. He's like, well, you're Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Everyone knows their sexist, racist, homophobic jokes from you. And in, in a sort of a weirdly introspective moment peter's like well we're trying to phase out a lot of this stuff <laughs> and how meta yeah it was very meta and apparently they um they talked to the creators and like yeah we're trying to you know stop the gay jokes i guess which is probably a good thing in this day and age uh, yeah <laughs> and um it was just interesting how simpsons are going through well last year went through their um some issues with their show becoming dated south park wrote a whole season riffing off how dated they are yeah um and they did a similar episode with um, Mr. Hanky. <laughs> yeah. And now Family Guy are starting to be a bit relevant. And it's, you know, funny are these cartoons that are so popular and run for so long. But your average cartoon is generally quite offensive. Mm. And they're all, you know, 20-year-old shows now. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> it's not not ideal. Well, you got to shape up or ship out at this point. I mean, I think the thing with animation is, uh, and this is something that Big Mouth has joked about before, is that you can get away with a lot more because it's animated. Mm. Um, but even then, that's to a point. Like, you can, like, Big Mouth do that in a positive way where they get to push a lot of issues and show a lot of things that they couldn't with, um, you know, real-life, live-action people. Um, but I think it's different when you're talking about the sorts of politically correct jokes you can say because I think at some point you do need to be like, all right, that's not cool anymore not that those things ever were but there are things that you just can't say on television anymore yeah. or in real life or ever for that matter but you know <laughs> i mean keep up with everyone else family guy jesus <laughs> yeah they're probably the last um to get on board with that <laughs> yeah but i mean their whole premise is being relatively offensive so well yeah. so south park but they did that in a re- they handled that in a really good way hmm to the show's detriment, sadly. Like, South Park isn't as sharp as it was, and I'm a huge South Park connoisseur. Mm, I don't know. It's, well, they've changed a lot of their formula as well, because they went with that whole um, season arc instead mm. of the week-to-week. Oh, week. Like, Trump broke them. All their, their future timelines was based on him not winning, and now they've been scrambling for two years. Mm. Um, the other show that came back is You're the Worst. Yes. So, season five and also the... F- I think it was five? Anyway, and also the final season of You're the Worst. Now, You're the Worst is exactly what it sounds like. It's about four characters who are all terrible people for whatever reasons, mm. and we've been following their journeys. It's a comedy, but also quite dramatic, a bit of a dramedy at times. They've, yeah. You know, they explore uh, family issues, mental health issues. They've got one of the best representations of depression on TV that I've seen. Yeah, that was a big yeah, big plot a few years yeah. ago. So two of these shitty people have decided to get married, and that's where this um, season has started. Mm. Now, they've been toying with some high-concept weird episodes, and their first episode back was... That was very confusing. It was very confusing. So <laughs> I what, do love a good bottle episode. What they did was um, they're pretending they're having a super big wedding, 
and they're going to other vendors to tell the stories of how they met. Mm. And they're just telling bombastic stories of how they met in the 90s and stuff. So they did this whole episode as this sort of surreal 90s throwback, you know, looked like a short out of um, Clerks or something. Yeah, it was it was very weird. And one thing, I find it very strange to open a season with a bottle episode. I yeah. find that to be a very unusual choice. I don't think I like that. Um, Everyone kind of does that. Like, Brooklyn did that. They did the Florida episodes. Uh, yeah, but you knew that they were going somewhere, so yeah. that's different. Hmm. Um, whereas this had, you know, no warning, no anything, it just started off in the 90s in a video store, and I'm like, what, did we download the right show? What is this? Yeah, that was, that was my first weird. thought. I'm like, nah, they've done weird stuff before, so we'll just roll with it. Mm. So that's back and looking quite strong as they build mm. up through their final season. Um, it's very popular at the moment to make shows about unlikable people. Um, and I'm trying to work out why that is. I don't know if there's something that people can empathize with, like, oh, this person is worse than me, so I feel better about the shit things I do. Or if it's like having a manifestation of all the bad things you want to do and say and seeing that I on TV. I think it's the latter. So yeah. if, you know, you, you go about life, you're being pleasant and you're like, oh, if I was a dick, I could do so much more. And that's what these people are. They're mm. abrupt, blunt, horrible, don't care about many things and... I think it's, it's also funny. <laughs> well, it is funny. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy them. I enjoy a lot of shows about terrible people. Um, but I think it's also a very fun thing to write as well. Like, you can write about heroes, but it all gets a bit boring. Mm-hmm. It's more fun to write about people who just aren't very good. There's a lot more room for jokes, I think. So, uh, anyway, it's just an interesting trend that I've noticed happening in the last few years to make shows about unlikable characters versus likable characters. Hmm. Hmm. Um, that's all the shows that came back. What movies have we watched this week? I rewatched um, Infinity War, and Spider-Man's great. He brings that all together. I love it. I still don't know if I like Infinity War until I see part two. <laughs> yeah, I'm also of yeah. the same opinion. Um, in gaming, I've been playing through Persona 5. Mm. Um, I'll do a full, full review of this one day. In short, it's a very weird game. Um, it's Japanese, obviously, so um, not my normal forte. I'm about 14 hours in, and I think I'm just through the tutorial. That's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit, um, I don't know yet. It's very, there's a lot of loading screens, a lot of transitions, a lot of hit X for the next part of the conversation. It's very stop, start, and jarring, mm. and there's no rhythm or flow to it. But they're Sounds always, more like a DS game. Yeah, and they're always hinting at bigger mechanics, because there's like a real-time component where... You know, you have an afternoon off and you spend it studying or playing sports or socializing. So it's like The Sims. Um, and then it's like Final Fantasy. But um, yeah, don't know yet. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, the other gaming we did this week, um, good friend of the podcast, Ali Hart, came over and brought her Switch. Yes. Thank you, Miss Ali Hart. Yeah. And where now that the switch has the big party games we're like let's let's do this so we had a dabble at mario party mm-hmm. and super smash yes now i'm bad at super smash i used to be good at it so i'm blaming the fact that i'm not used to the switch console <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun but man that lineup is large there like, is a lot more characters yeah. and i'm just like who is that who is that who is that i feel yeah. very bad at games right now who is that? <laughs> that that was also a thought i had i'm like i'm usually on the pulse of this stuff but i don't know like 50 percent of this roster yeah i would go as far as i didn't know 70 percent, maybe <laughs> there was just so many and i'm just like i don't you know, it, a lot of them were sort of anime looking characters and like i don't 
know who they are. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of movesets to learn mm. for people that are super into it. We were fortunate that um, all the characters were unlocked on the version we played. Yeah, but that didn't really help me. <laughs> so all over the place. Um, I looked at the fifty or so characters before me and went, "I'm still going to pick Kirby." <laughs> I regret nothing. Yeah, I was on Shadow Knight for the first few matches just to get acclimated. And Mario Party. Now, what they added that was new, that was the board game format we all know and love. They also mm. added this sort of cooperative one where you're working as a team to on a, like a raft and you do all the mini yeah, you, games you together. You white water rafting and you've got to hit it on the rapids to, to start a mini game. You yeah. also all have to paddle in sync at the same time just to get further down the river. Yeah, and it's on a timer as well, and and that's still a blast. I mean, that was great. It was it was a very different experience, but I really liked it. Mm. Yeah, that was fun. So Mario Party holds up. Super mm. Smash, not sure yet. <laughs> it was good to see a bit more stuff going on in Mario Party because, um, admittedly, it's a long time since I've played a new Mario Party. Um, but I remember the first Mario Party they released on Wii. I hated it. Because you had to unlock everything mm. straight away, which is very hard if you're by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no fun doing that. And I, I didn't really find that they added anything. Whether or not that's to do with I just didn't get very far in unlocking a whole bunch of stuff, I don't know. But I just found it wasn't as good as, you know, the, the more original ones on the 64. Um, so I really liked it on, on the Switch. I would definitely look into that if yeah. you are of that persuasion you still can't validate buying one in this household it's um because it's like oh switches are cheap but then you gotta buy so much you got yeah. games extra doodads extra controllers and i'd have to buy the proper controllers because i hate those dinky little things yeah i don't mind them because i got tiny hands but <laughs> um but I, I do like a solid controller hmm. mm. but that's everything i've done we've been doing this week you got anything else I yeah. started a new game myself. What have you been um, playing? Miss Ellie Hart also recommended me a game. Um, I'm a I'm a woman of simple pleasures, and she said, "I think you would like this game because you play a fox." And I was like, "Oh, sold." <laughs> that sounds lovely. So, um, given that that is my favorite animal, I was like, "Yes, I will have a look at this game." Um, so I started Seasons After Fall. Now it's not a new game; it's from 2016. It's a 2D platform puzzle type game developed by Swing Swing Submarine and published by Focus Home Interactive. Um, now, full disclosure, I have only just sort of started this game, um, but I will say already that it's got a very beautiful aesthetic and it's a very calming kind of game so far. Um, it all the characters and the landscapes have these very heavy brush strokes, so it looks like a very nicely painted children's book almost. Uh, so it's very beautiful. has a very sort of soothing soundtrack. Sometimes you're a fox, sometimes you're a floating seed. Um, I wish that made more sense explaining it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, so far, so good. Um, it is more of a, you know, short indie game, which is very much my jam. I have no time for AAA titles. They're too boring for me. <laughs> um, so, But have you played The Witcher? Uh, no, but I will eventually. Anyway, um, so that's sort of what I've been starting, and I'll give more of a full review once I sink a bit more time into that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Stay after the break, and M is going to hit us with a review on you. Me? You. Ah. The listener. Get up your game, listener. Welcome back. M. Me. You. Me. 
Yes, you. Oh, I thought you. Couldn't be. Ah. Then you... I got nothing. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) I have watched the um, fairly new to Netflix show, You. It's such an annoying title, just putting it out there. It's so hard to talk about. (laughs) I'm watching You. What? (laughs) Which is quite fitting for the show. Um, So if you don't know anything about You... It is a show uh, that originally aired on Lifetime and is now on Netflix. It is based on the book of the same title by Carolyn Kepnes. Kepnes, I'm not very sure how to uh, pronounce her surname. Um, But it's based on the two books that she has written called You and her sequel, Hidden Bodies. Um, (laughs) Sounds ominous. (laughs) Well, I mean, if this isn't self-explanatory enough. So uh, it's... How do I even explain this? I guess it's sort of, if you just see the trailer, it's sort of this, you know, lurking kind of dude and he's giving this monologue about, you know, how he's looking at this chick. Anyway, um, I thought it was going to be a bit more spooky, so I thought it was a lot more thrillery. And it did have like a slight thriller element, but it was a bit more drama kind of thing. Um, It does star Penn Badgley, a.k.a. Dan from Gossip Girl, and he gets very stalkery, follows... Um, who I would describe as an annoying, semi-entitled and self-destructive girl named Beck. Um, she's a writer. And Is this set in New York? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? Um, she doesn't have curtains, which is problematic, um, which I just find really weird, and a lot of people have a lot of problems with that. Uh, but that is something that come, comes from the book and makes it very easy for him to, uh, you know, get his creep on. Um and they, they meet in a bookstore where he works, and the story arc follows of him trying to get close to this girl and manipulate other relationships around to make sure that you know she can rely and invest in him. Um, now, I, I think what I really enjoyed about this is there's these very long, creepy, but engaging monologues delivered by Penn Badgley, um, and I think that's what really makes the show interesting i mean obviously it's compelling because he's trying to you know control all these situations that are happening around and not get caught whenever he's following her places um and so that's always very interesting to watch as well um now there is going to be a sequel but it's not going to follow the second book hidden bodies very closely they are going to go a little bit off book and it is set in la rather than new york so um Without giving anything away, I feel like if you're stalking someone, eventually you've got to leave town. <laughs> so um, so obviously they sort of shake it up with a bit more of a different setting um, in which Hidden Bodies, I think, is set in LA. But they again, they are going to go a bit more off book. Um, but yeah, I do really recommend it. It was a very interesting watch. Um, and Penn Badgley himself has said that he does see this character as being a bit of a dark timeline version of what um, Dan from Gossip Girl could have become. Right, because Dan was yeah manipulating stuff in yeah, he Gossip was, Girl. Yeah, he was a bit of a puppet master. So I thought that in itself was very interesting. So if you did like Gossip Girl and you want to see, uh, you know, Dark Timeline version of Dan, I think it would be really good for that. Um, he, he's also come out to say that this character is a bad guy because there is a lot of buzz on Twitter about a lot of people really love him. Oh, people are the worst. This is, this is Snape and... Malfoy all over again. Yeah, and it's, um, and like, look, to a degree, I get it. But it is very important to know that, you know, this is a very toxic, scary, dangerous person. (laughs) If you're in any kind of relationship like this, get out of it. Find safety. uh, Because this is not a healthy relationship, obviously. Um, So, 
just sort of throw that little disclaimer out there. Um, but it has, and that's a lot of thing what sort of got me into it. I was like, oh, okay, so this guy's like kind of endearing, but also not because of obvious reasons. So uh, that's what also reeled me in. Because at first I just thought, oh, it's going to be a thriller show. I'm not really about that. Uh, but it was all this sort of talk about it, which got me kind of intrigued. And um, Millie Bobby Brown, is that her middle name? Uh, Eleven from Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah. Um, that poor girl's recently come under fire because she was like, I don't care, don't judge me, but I love him. Um, but I mean, everyone remembers she's 17 and impressionable. And I think it is important that people go, Hey, maybe, you know, just to stay clear of people who are actually like that. Um, but I think she is under a lot of unfair fire because she's talking about just loving a TV character. I'm sure she's not attracted to those people in real life, despite the fact that Drake is creeping on her all the time. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing and a whole other story. Is it like a dark, mysterious, bad boy type? It's pretty standard drake no oh <laughs> you guy <laughs> right okay yeah that is true um and i think the, the the tv show actually does differ from the book in that it adds a few extra things to to humanize him a little bit and i don't know if that's the part that um therefore then makes him a little bit more um endearing or attainable it's funny because I, I i watched like five minutes of the show caught the end of an episode and it struck me very much in sort of style and concept as um dexter so dexter was a serial killer so obviously much worse example (laughs) but it was the same sort of you know internal monologue and justifying it and everyone and you know and then you follow him on the hunt and him justifying his actions and why Mm. he did it and um everyone loved dexter like he was yeah he was an anti-hero but everyone loved him he was a hero yeah well i think that's a a part of it you need to recognize this character as an anti-hero like you need to know he is a bad guy and i like that in a show but i wouldn't like that in real life Hmm. (laughs) similar to dexter i suppose um are you gonna watch you uh i might i feel i've got some next week i'm going to have a tease flight segment again (laughs) because i've got to do some flying uh i don't know if i'll watch this show or i'll see what the movie offerings are Mm. there might be a new dwayne johnson movie fantastic or a new fast furious movie i know you love both of these things (laughs) yeah we'll see so i don't know undecided i've got them downloaded to my netflix app so they're on hand great so it'll be interesting to see uh what but you'd recommend it you'd give it a watch definitely 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 all right so that wraps up our review of you after the break we're going to review the other new show that dropped on netflix last couple weeks sex education welcome back start of the year new netflix shows this one in particular sex education oh where to begin all right so the protagonist 16 year old boy in some sort of northern great britain area of a... that that's a whole other conversation to have about this but yes go on all right we'll skip the setting um <laughs> We'll re- revisit that. So he's at a school. He's the traditional school nobody. He's got that one friend and he's not popular. His mother, played by Gillian Anderson, mm-hmm. is a sex From a therapist. From a show called The X-Files. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Is um, a sex therapist. So this character's grown up around all these resources and conversations and issues that his mother's dealt with. And what the setting is people at school find out that he's pretty cluey about all this kind of stuff he makes a friend who's um Maeve who's the traditional punk you know wrong side of the tracks Mm. archetype character and she sees a way to make some money Mm. so they 
open a clinic where people pay to talk to this 16-year-old boy mm-hmm. for sex advice. Yes. And what do you think? I have so much to say about the show. First of all, <laughs> given uh, my background, I was never not going to watch this show. I saw the trailer and just went, hello, what is this? I am intrigued. Um, and so straight away I was hooked in. I was like, yep, 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 this is going to be fantastic. And um, what, one thing I do want to say about this show is how confusing aesthetically it is, but how beautiful aesthetically it is. So um, you went on to say that this was set somewhere. And just to expand on that, it was filmed in Wales, but everyone is English. Uh, as well as that, there's a lot of very bright, colourful outfits. So for the first maybe 10 minutes of the show, I was like, oh, okay, this kind of looks and sounds like it's set in the 70s because uh, some of the songs early on were, you know, 60s, 70s songs. I was like, all right, cool. You know, it sounds like a retro kind of show. But then later they were talking about social media or phones or something, and I was like, uh, okay. Um, and I had to actually do a bit of research about this because I'm like, when, when and where is this? What is this show? Where is it? Where are we? What's happening? And it turns out that the creators of the show uh, made a very deliberate decision to keep the setting ambiguous. So they used um, that they basically wanted a lot of bright colors because they said whenever you see like a UK show about school, everyone's miserable. It's always very dull. No one wants to be there. Versus when you watch American school shows, um, people are wearing whatever they want. And school is like the best days of their life type thing. Um, And so they've sort of merged these two different cultures. And so to do that, they kept the the date ambiguous. So it's got uh, a mix of music, but mostly mostly older stuff. But then we've got a random, uh, you know, Australian contemporary band have a song in it, which was really bizarre. Um, Back to back with... um, you like know, the cure and yeah, the cure and other great eighties jams. Confidence and... man for a song that came out like last year. It was yeah, it was fascinating because it was about yeah an episode or two in. We're like, so is this set in the seventies, nineties? Like, there's nineties clothes, there's sort mm. of seventies American school vibes, and mm. then they're all on social media and texting and stuff. I'm like, what, what year is this? And then the music would jump around a lot too, mm. and it was. I, like, loved it. They sort of took the purity out of each sort of era and made that what it's about. And this is was a great idea to me because you notice in maybe the last 10 years all the shows get hyper-stylized and obsessed with everything's on the phone. You know, they show the texts over the screen yeah. and it's all very, mm. like, tech has sort of infiltrated all the shows. Whereas this was sort of, it had that, but it was like... Not. It was very background. It was trying not to be modern. Yeah, and I and I really like that because it's not something I've really thought about doing before. I know we're seeing a lot of sort of period shows come out, like we're getting a lot of great 90s themed shows, which I am loving. <laughs> and I think it's fantastic because for years people argued with me that 90s wasn't a thing. In your face, everybody! Um, and 90s are definitely a thing. So we're seeing a lot of that. But what I love about this is that they just threw all the rules out the window. They went, well, it doesn't have to be a specific era. We're just going to choose the best of every era and make our own little weird thing going on and not even talk about it. Um, the other thing which is bizarre too is that all the jocks have very American varsity jumpers, mm. which isn't a thing in uh, in the UK. And so they're sort of just taking a little bit of just stuff they liked. They went, you know what, here's stuff we like. We like colourful things. We like people having fun at school. And that's just what we're making. And that's, I think, probably my f- 
favorite second favorite part of the show is just how unique visually it is. Hmm. So back to the main kind of plot. Mm. I one thing I sort of noticed in um, if you remember our review of Big Mouth season one, season two, mm-hmm. we probably pointed out in season two how they had a few kind of meta jokes where they'd become aware of how much they were talked about in terms of very um, being very sex positive, being yeah. very educational yeah. and stuff like that. And I feel this um, show is kind of a continuation of that. For sure. So Net, uh, Big Mouth was the onset of puberty, whereas mm. sex education is a few years later when... Mid-puberty. Mid-puberty. Yeah. And what the approach does, when you watch all these dramas from 10, 20 years ago... The kids go through all this stuff and everything goes smoothly and everyone knows what they're doing. And this show paints a real, much more accurate scenario where everyone's doing all this sh- stuff for the first time and mm. have no idea what they're doing. And this is where this character, who kind of knows a lot about it, has um, heard about all the issues and knows the way to you know, be a shrink, basically, yeah. as um, sort of going, all right, well, this bit's healthy, this bit's not healthy, do this, do this, do this. And it was mm. just a real fascinating take on it and i sort of you know applaud netflix for getting a lot of these shows and you know sex education such a big issue worldwide and how to approach it if wouldn't it be funny if netflix just through tv shows was the best place to yeah learn about it it's you know really interesting to me i think that's what's so and we've talked about this before about whether or not tv should be seen as a platform for social change or education. Um, And I think regardless, even if they choose not to be, they're still going to be utilised that way. Because as, you know, like our generation, the MTV generation, um, you hear a lot of people who, you know, got raised on MTV or ABC TV or something. Like they, they learn a lot of what they know from watching TV. And while... That's definitely not the only way forward now because the you know the internet's a lot more accessible and things like that. I think it's great to see platforms like Netflix go. Okay, we know people are going to you know pick up stuff from us anyway. Maybe we do have a bit of a duty to hmm. be sex positive and to not be heteronormative uh, and things like that. So it was good to see a lot of diversity in that regard as well in sex education. Um, they definitely were not heteronormative. They had a lot of same-sex couple issues in there as well, which was great to see. Um, so, yeah, fantastic show. Um, a good plot. I I hope it does get picked up for a second season. I'm not sure if it has or not. Did you find out? Oh, no idea. This ah. one only is pretty fresh. Yeah. So, for me, I loved this, like, they call it the clinic, where mm. they... the they organize chats with people and people talk about their problems. Yeah. And I love this plot of it. And most of the show was weaved through this. They get mm. pulled into plot lines and issues because of that. But beyond that, it's pretty generic. Guy likes girl, girl dating someone else, mm. drama. It's all combined with generic high school plot points. Yeah, and the generic high school plot points didn't super pull me in oh. for this show. Okay. Um. It was great when it was weaved into, you know, a clinic narrative. Mm. So they do a whole episode on um, uh, consent with sending nudes and stuff. Yeah. And they sort of explore that and, the, you know, the body shaming side of it, the consent side of it, the all that kind of stuff. And yeah. they have a whole episode sort of, you know, someone was trying to blackmail someone and antics 
and mm. chew. And I, I thought that was great. Um, and the, that sort of stuff was fantastic. But then, you know, the guy's like, oh, I've got feelings about, you know, a girl. And I was like, mm. yeah, that was just me. Oh, my friend's mad that. at me. It was all. I found all that to still be quite strong. Um, I very much also enjoyed the narrative of the the gay friend and the challenges that he was facing with identity versus cultural identity yeah. and sexual identity and how and when to express that. Um, and that was really fascinating because not only was it exploring someone who was gay, but also like a gay person of color, which was um, great to see, not just on TV, but also to really thoroughly explore some of those uh, issues that they can face as well. They did do a good job. So and this was the main character's best friend who's, mm. you know, a heterosexual young boy and a gay guy and they were like best friends mm. and how supportive he was. Like they were dressing yeah. up and going out to things and, the, you know, activities you'd sort of... And they had this in the show. There was discrimination and stuff. Yeah. And Whereas the friend was all supported and it was never kind of an issue and mm. it was all quite nice in that yeah. way. I quite liked their friendship in that yeah. regard. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I quite liked it, recommended it. I hope it mm. does get picked up again. I do mm. hope they focus a bit more on the clinic plot lines. Just mm. found them really funny and fascinating and yeah. educational. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I'd give that a watch. It's I think it was a ten episode run. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so you know, eight hours of your time. Mm. Mm. You'd get recommend it? it? Yes, definitely. Cool. So ends our review of Sex Education. We will wrap up after the break. Okay, so that ends this episode. Um, what have you got coming this week? Anything planned? you want to play some more Fox games? I want to play uh, a bit more Seasons After Fall. I still have to play so many things. I've got a lot of games on a backlog. Um, I'm also... I have started to watch Dora Girls as well, which I've Dora got Girls. Uh, which is uh, Derry Girls, if you did not hear that correctly, set in Northern Ireland. Um, so I've started that, so I want to sort of get a bit more into that, see if that's decent. Also set in the 90s. You will need subtitles. I recommend it <laughs> uh, if you're not savvy with a Northern Ireland accent. And I think that's all I really have planned. I'm sort of... I, I've got a couple of things I've got my eye on on Stan, uh, but they're not out yet, so I'll chat more about those in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you've watched any of those shows and you want to share your thoughts or just get in touch, send us a tweet at goodpop underscore badpop. And you can, of course, catch us on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash goodpopbadpoppodcast. And help us write our cold open. Yeah, please do that. Send us some ideas because tea is obviously out. <laughs> I had the premise. I just couldn't find the, the variables. Yeah, yeah. Cool story, man. Anyway, we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye.